going to just talk with you, um, share some testimonies, actually, about the power of united prayer, which is specifically what we're going to focus on today, and then going to talk about how we could make united prayer a more practical part of our lives. So hopefully that's what you're excited about, because that's why you're here, or because that's where you are here in the, in the conference. So let's just bow our head again for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we can be together and meet together. And I thank you for your word and how you encourage us to take time apart to pray and to pray unitedly. I think of the promise in Matthew 18, 19 that says, if two of you shall agree as touching anything that you ask, it shall be done for you of our Father which is in heaven. And Father, we want to claim that promise and we want to praise you for how you have answered in response to that promise in our own lives, Father. So just be with me as I share and um, thank you for this opportunity. In your precious name, amen. First off, when we talk about united prayer, I want to make a disclaimer. There's a lot of different things that are happening in the church, um, you know, both in the secular world and even in our own church that are not biblical methods of prayer, um, that have their roots in mysticism and the occult. You have different terms going around like spiritual formation, contemplative prayer, prayer centering, many different things. And some of us probably have never even heard of these things. And I don't encourage you to study very far into them, but I think it is good that we know and realize um, what is going on and what we need to avoid. But how do we do that? Most appropriately is by knowing what the truth is, right? Like as in the counterfeit uh, people that are trained to study the dollar bill or to know counterfeit money, they don't spend all their life studying the counterfeit, they spend their life studying the true and the genuine, so then when the counterfeit comes, they know what it is. So I just want to share that at the beginning, that we do not support any of those methods, and we'll be sharing more about um, practically why or what we believe that United Prayer should be, and what we're doing, very simple and basic. But first off, I want to share uh, just a few testimonies. I like to say the rain is falling. You know, um, we're told in Spirit of Prophecy that in the last days, the rain is going to begin to fall, but yet there are going to be many around us that do not even experience it, do not even know that it's falling. And um, how can we avoid being among those that don't know? Well, being in tune with God, and we talked about that during the last um, couple sessions in regards to prayer. So this morning, or actually this afternoon now, I just want to share a brief testimony of ARMY. Have, it, have you guys heard of ARMY Bible Camp? Okay, awesome. Uh, with our first Army Bible Camp, started back in 2009, God impressed one of our, our leaders, our prayer leaders actually. Um, they were actually just praying with the speakers before they got on the stage and kind of operating from that standpoint. But God had laid it on their heart to do a morning prayer time before our first meetings. And they asked us, can we have like a 615 prayer time? And I... I'm ashamed to say that as, as leaders, we're kind of like, well, that's kind of early to ask people to come to pray. Not sure how many people are going to, you know, want to come and be part of that, but we'll offer it as an optional prayer time, okay? So we were a little worried that we could just get people there for the 7 o'clock devotional, forget the 6.15 time. But you know, about 20 people came the first morning, and God worked in such a dramatic way. Um, uh, the next morning we had 40 and the next morning 80 and the crowd began to grow and as we prayed together unitedly and I'll talk about how that was done you could you could 
just tell the Holy Spirit was there. I mean, grown men were weeping. Um, Families that had not been praying together began to pray together. A couple that was actually on the brink of divorce actually were reunited and their marriage restored because of that united prayer, that united prayer alone. And so we just saw God working. And so in a result or as a result of that, we just began to realize God needs us. We need to be praying more. You know, he's the one that has all power. He can do everything without us. So don't mistake, mistake what I'm saying there. But we as a people need to be praying more. And if we pray more, what more blessings might he give us? So after that, um, we began to make the United Prayer a routine part of every Army Bible camp that we had. And we, we did see the Holy Spirit being poured out. You know, it's very easy for us as Christians, at least it's easy for me, to fall into the Martha mentality. You know, I know that God wants me to do this. I know that he wants this done. I know he's called us. But you know, like it says in Mark 3:14, before we are to go and be disciples, we are first to be with him. He calls us first to be with him. And so often we work, but we're working in our own strength and we're not working through the power of prayer. And this statement in Christian Service, page 263, really um, caught my attention and our attention a little while back. And it says, could we see all the activity of human instrumentality as it appears before God, we would see that only the work accomplished by much prayer, which is sanctified by the merit of Christ, will stand the test of the judgment. Now, how much prayer, I mean, how much work are we doing without prayer? It's scary if we really realized, if we really, you know, um, if we really searched our hearts as a people of God, how much are we doing just in our own strength? So much prayer is necessary. So as the camps um, have gone on, we have seen God continue to work in um, dramatic ways. The second camp, God inspired our prayer leaders. Why don't we start an all-day prayer room? In other words, the whole concept started with the fact we're going to have a room where we're going to be praying all day long for the speakers because they need the Holy Spirit's power to speak the message that they need to speak and to train people. The whole purpose of ARMY, um, I might share for those of you that aren't familiar, um, is revival. ARMY stands for Adventist Revival Movement for the End Time. That's the mission of ARMY. Uh, but how we accomplish that Bible um, or that revival, excuse me, is by arming people with the word and with prayer. And so it's two words put together, arm me. Okay? So that's what army ministries is about, is arming people with the word and power of prayer so that they can be more effective in evangelism and, and in their witness and testimony. So as we went into our second camp, you know, our prayer leaders were really inspired. We need to set aside a room where we can just really be praying that as, as our attendees are diving into the word and learning how to study the word that the Holy Spirit would be present and give power to the study. And so that, that's what inspired the concept. But then we realized, you know, we as staff shouldn't be the only ones here in this prayer room praying. We need to invite our attendees to be part of this and to be praying with us. And so we asked people, if you could come for just one hour during the conference and, and dedicate your time in the prayer room to pray for this conference, what might God do? And as we prayed that, um, more amazing things began to happen. And when I say this, I'm talking about, <clears throat> um, we had a 14-year-old girl. We share her testimony. Her name was Allison. She came into the prayer room, and she didn't think she could pray for more than five minutes a day. 
she was basically used to praying five minutes a day and you know just very superficial whatever you know god help me with this god help me with that help me to pass this test whatever you know just the very basic superficial prayer <coughs> excuse me but she came into the prayer room she didn't think she could pray for more than five minutes a day and she stayed for the whole hour and she just fell in love with prayer she came back the next day and she stayed for eight hours and she went home 14 year old girl to her church and started two prayer groups and that church has been totally revitalized her family is all on board and they're and they're participating in united prayer her sister actually um, went with me um, when we went to the general conference to <clears throat> to have a prayer room in united prayer and i'll tell you more about that later but god began to work in that church so we are seeing as people are coming together in unity praying for the spirit to be poured out in the meetings or whatever they their lives themselves are being revitalized they're experiencing revival and how can we as a people call others to revival or to this experience if we don't experience it ourselves so that's you know a big part of coming together in unity in prayers is that we will we will um, have that in our own lives so here you see pictures of the prayer room how God has continued to grow and um, by our second and third camp we had people basically flocking to the prayer room and we emphasize it very much at camp you need to come and be part of um, uniting together in prayer in mark eleven seventeen, 17 it, it says it's written my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer it doesn't say it shall be a house of sermons it doesn't say it shall be a house of singing we all know that those are part of the worship service but god's house is to be a house of prayer and yet how often is prayer like just a little itty bit we have three minutes of prayer and then all the rest of the time in our church and in our activities is spent speaking preaching singing performing evangelizing when we need to be in prayer there needs to be prayer coverage over everything that's going on um, and we need to be secretly in prayer because you know we can't publicly be successful in prayer if we are not secret in prayer as well okay I'm talking a lot about united prayer during this seminar and the workshop that we're that we're going over now but we need to be privately people of, of prayer and people of the word God's covenant with us from 2nd Chronicles 7:14 says if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land he says if my people he's referring to a collective group there he's not just saying if John or if Cindy or if Christy we all are individually called but he's saying if my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray we collectively as a people need to come before God's throne humbling ourselves and praying here we have more um, pictures of, of, of the United Prayer and I'm going to share actually what this prayer looks like and how we would teach that to others and how we would lead that with others but I want to share with you this is so simple and so basic that children can be part of this and enjoy it and you know we'll talk more about that here you have a picture of um, of a group of children about probably eight to twelve year olds here in this picture and if you had been part of this prayer room when these children came into the room and they were just pouring out their hearts to God in such sincerity and honesty you know can't you imagine God looking down from heaven and just smiling and just saying if my people if we would only be as little children, if we would only come before him in the honesty and the sincerity as little children do. Little children love united prayer and they love um, praying together as we teach people to do this united prayer because it's so simple and it's so basic. This isn't anything 
um, scary or scientific. In uh, Great Controversy, page 525, it says, A revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of our needs. To seek this should be our first work. This revival, however, will only come in answer to prayer. I love this quote. Um, it is part of God's plan to grant us in answer to the prayer of faith that which he would not bestow, did we not thus ask. We have to ask. We have to be seeking this. So as time has gone on um, with the Army Bible camps, prayer has become uh, a bigger and bigger part. Um, our leaders decided we were going to start an all-night prayer room. And one night out of, the, out of the event, towards the end, we were just going to encourage people to come together and pray. And specifically with the, op with the um, goal of praying for the Holy Spirit. We all have our personal needs and we have uh, the different things that we desire, but we really need to press together praying for the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and you know, like what happened in Pentecost, we've already talked about that this morning and, and Doug talked a lot about that in the first session, is them coming into one accord with, at one place and praying for the Holy Spirit. And when they did, um, it came. So this is, this is powerful um, time of testimony and praise. Here you see um, many people during one of our most recent camps during the all-night prayer room. We had probably over 200 people that were part of this basically all night long. Can you imagine all of the people here um, that are here at iShare? I don't know if there's three or four or 500 people here. Imagine if they were all all night long willing to plead and not just one time but maybe consistently what if there were a group that were consistently willing to pray you know um, the revival that we've heard about that happened in um, Scotland and in Wales that was just a few people that bound together and they prayed for months and they determined we are not going to let go until the spirit until God blesses until the spirit falls and God did answer their prayers and their revival happened you know back in the early 1900s and earlier years that just swept across the country. Why couldn't that happen again now? We know, as Doug shared the verse this morning, greater things are going to happen um, through us at the end of time than are going to happen, or than happened when Christ was on earth. So what is God waiting for? We believe that that's found in the Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. So as God has been blessing at the Bible camp and with the times of united prayer where we're just praying for the Holy Spirit to come, praying for the speakers and just lifting each other up, praying um, for spiritual victory in our lives, um, word has begun to come out about the revival that's been happening and we began to get invitations to go to other places to work with camp meetings and conferences. We went to Andrews University and worked with a revival or uh, evangelistic event there. We've worked with Amazing Facts and the leaders of Amazing Facts. We've worked at different youth camp meetings. We were asked to go to GYC and lead a prayer room there. Maybe some of you were um, part of GYC. And we were actually asked to, to, to go to the GC Annual Council um, October a year ago and pray with the leaders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And this was such an amazing privilege and honor to see God's leaders, the highest leaders in his church coming together and praying and pleading for the Holy Spirit. And this was just, just, just an amazing testimony of how God's been leading and opening doors. We've actually been invited to go back again this fall um, for the next annual council. While I was at the um, annual council, um, actually got acquainted with Pastor Paul Ratsara and he's an amazing man of prayer and faith. And as, if you know him, he's one, um, the president of the Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. And his division is one of the fastest growing divisions in the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I think they have 2.6 million members now. 
and it's just continuing to grow. But as, you, as we got to know him, we realized he is a man of prayer and his leaders are people of prayer. But just because they're people of prayer doesn't mean they're satisfied with where they are. They want more prayer. They want more of the Holy Spirit. They want more blessing. So he met us at the GC and he said, you know, Melody, can you and your army prayer team come to the SID to work with our leaders and with our, with our executive committee members? So we went and God just blessed amazingly. Um, every morning, he, t he gave us 45 minutes out of his scheduled meeting uh, agenda time. And can you imagine, you know, these are important executive committee meetings. They had 30 minutes for their devotional, and then they gave 45 minutes for United Prayer. That's a lot of time, you know? And I think some of his leaders, even though they believe in the power of prayer, they were a little questioning, are we really gonna get through everything that we need to do? Are we really gonna accomplish? Because we're giving 45 minutes every morning to, to United Prayer. But you know what? God blessed in such an amazing way. And I keep saying amazing because I don't know how else to describe it because it is amazing what God is doing. But he blessed and those meetings ended almost half a day early or something like that. Even though we had taken probably five hours out of their meeting time for prayer, God gave it back and the meetings ended half a day early. It was so inspiring working with him and his division. His leaders were coming into the prayer room sometimes at three or four in the morning um, just on their knees. Um, praising God for his good, goodness, asking for deliverance and forgiveness from sin, and just pleading for the Holy Spirit, and, and God is blessed. I just went back to work um, with his division for a month this spring with several of our prayer leaders, and we traveled about 4,600 miles through the SID, working with his different um, women's and ministry and prayer leaders, and leading them in united prayer, and just talking to them about the basic concepts of United Prayer, and they are people of prayer. You know, we think getting up at six o'clock in the morning is tough to come <laughs> together in United Prayer, but you know what? Some of those people in the SID, they are so passionate. They're getting up at four o'clock in the morning to have their prayer meetings. And I'm thinking, man, what if we here in the modern um, America, what if we had this passion, this perseverance, you know? Maybe we would be the fastest growing division in the world, you know? But we're not, you know? It's Southern Africa Indian Ocean Division. And God's doing that through prayer. And, you know, they're very humble about that. It's nothing to boast of but just the power of prayer. Anyway, Pastor Ratsara came into the prayer room after we'd been literally there for hours. And, and I, I just made the state to, statement to him, you know, prayer is hard work. You know, when you're praying and, and just interceding, and it is, it is hard work, but it's work that we do through Christ's strength. But he made this statement to me, and it was really powerful. He says, you know, Melody, prayer is our most important work, but you know why more people don't pray? It's because true prayer is such hard work. It's easier to work than pray. And so we continue to work in our own strength, rejoicing when one or two people come to Christ, when if we would be on our faces before God in prayer, he would do the work and it would be in his strength and we would see thousands converted today where there are only a few. Just imagine if we would be people of prayer, if we would really take, take him at his word. So the testimonies have continued to go on. I'm not going to have time to share all these things because I actually want to get into the practical how-tos, how to lead United Prayer um, that we can continue to share. But you see here, um, in, the, in the last few months since this first meeting, we've actually worked with four different divisions and we've seen God um, just blessing in amazing ways. Here's pictures of working with the Southern Asia Pacific Division in November, um, the year-end council meetings, Southern Asia Division, year-end meetings um, in India. Here you see uh, Elder Ted and Nancy Wilson there um, that came in as well. And just God is breaking the hearts of his people, drawing them back to himself. Here we are at Central Philippines Adventist College in December. 
Um, these are pictures from um, our time with, with my prayer teammates this spring when we were in, in Africa, in uh, Malawi actually, in Zimbabwe, and Southern Africa. And I could tell you story after story of what God is doing in response to United Prayer, but I want to move on. Uh, I mentioned this, this verse briefly before from Matthew 18, 19. It says, if two of you shall agree as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And this is a statement that Ellen White makes in reference to that verse. This is a powerful statement. Um, comes from the ninth manuscript releases, 748, I think it is. It says, this promise, which is referring to Matthew 18, 19, is made on the condition that the united prayers of the church are offered. And in answer to these prayers, there may be expected a power greater than that which comes in answer to private prayer. The power given will be proportionate to the unity of the members and their love for God and for one another. So we're not negating personal private prayer. Personal private prayer is so important. And, and if we're going to be successful leading people in prayer, we have to have that personal connection with God, okay? But this statement, I think, is so, so powerful. She's saying, if the united prayers of the church were given, the power given in response to that would be even greater than that which comes in private prayer. If we agree, if we are in agreement, um, what might God do? So at this time, I'll give you you guys these little handbooks that we have praying for rain is what they're called I'll let you pass those out so everyone has one we're actually just going to to walk through this handbook and how you can use this to help more effectively leading United Prayer in the very beginning it talks about inspiration behind United Prayer and I've already shared some of these quotes with you this morning and in the last hour when we were talking about secrets to continuous revival and secrets to answered prayer so we're not going to go there. First off, on page three, you know, we always share with people, these are just guidelines. These are just things that we have found helpful. But you know what? God and the Holy Spirit has to be our teacher, right? So you can't say, you need to do this this way, and you need to do that way, and if you're not praying in such a format, or you're not praying in such a model, no, that's not biblical. No, we're not saying that at all, okay? God has to lead each of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we look to him first as our teacher, okay? But as we unite together in prayer, these are things that we have found very effective. First off, as we unite in prayer, we take people through four different themes in prayer. And we'll actually talk about that um, on page nine of this handbook. As you're leading uh, a group in United Prayer, this is what we'll share. First off, we start with adoration and praise. You know, God tells us to enter his courts with praise, to enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. And so before we come giving God our requests, before we come giving God our supplications, we praise him. You know, Spirit of Prophecy says, 5th Testimonies 3.17, that if we praised him more, we would be given more to praise him for. Isn't that amazing? If we actually praise God more, we'd have so much more to praise him for. We as people are so selfish. We are so self-centered. We come to God and we say, God, would you do this for me? God, would you do that for me? God, would you help me? You know, and God wants us to bring our needs and our sorrows and every little detail is important to him. There's nothing that you have on your heart that's too small for God to notice, which is so amazing because we're talking about the God of the universe, the God that has breathed stars into existence. You know, like Jeremiah 32 says, he stretched out the heavens by his great power and there's nothing that's too hard for him. Nothing that's too hard for him. There's nothing that's too small upon our hearts that's hard for him. 
And yet, we focus so much on our own selves, we forget to praise Him, we forget to thank Him, we forget to worship Him. You know, people in the Bible times, they knew what worship was about, they knew what reverence was about. But we as a people, and we uh, as people of God, have forgotten what worship, what reverence, what true respect, and what thanksgiving and praise is. So we just encourage people, this is the first aspect that we focus on when we come into a time of united prayer. Then we go into a time of confession, and I already shared earlier the verse from Isaiah 59, you know, says, the Lord's hand is not shortened from you that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but it is our iniquities that have separated him from, from us. It is our sins that have hid his face from us that he cannot hear us. So we encourage people, um, this is a time to make your confessions to God. Now, you know in your heart, the private sins of your heart, there are certain things that I talked about earlier that are intimate just between you and God. Only God knows those evil thoughts in your heart or different things in your life, and you should confess those only to God. It's not good for the body of Christ or for you to spread those things before the people, okay? So we tell people what, what those things in your heart, you, you confess privately in your heart to God. Or maybe you have wronged a brother or sister, and that doesn't necessarily need to be shared with everyone. Sometimes it does, but maybe it doesn't. So you should go and seek, you know, as soon as possible um, to make that right with your brother or sister. But then there are things that we do, um, that we do need to confess publicly. Uh, just looking at page 24 of this handbook, um, why public confession? Let me read this to you. The scripture bids us confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed, James 5.16. To the one asking for prayer, let thoughts like these be presented. We cannot read the heart or know the secrets of your life. These are known only to yourself and to God. If you repent of your sins, it is your duty to make confession of them. Sin of a private character is to be confessed to Christ, the only mediator between God and man. For if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 2, 1. Every sin is an offense against God and is to be confessed to him through Christ. Every open sin should be as openly confessed. Wrong done to a fellow should be made right with the one who has been offended. If any who are seeking health have been guilty of evil speaking, if they've sowed discord in the home, the neighborhood, or the church, and have stirred up alienation and dissension, if by any wrong practice they've led others into sin, these things should be confessed before God and before those who have been offended. And that's from Councils for the Church, page 304. Um, let me read just a couple more quotes here. This is actually, and, and I uh, just want to stop a minute and focus on this because this is actually one of the biggest questions that we get when we talk about United Prayer. People, are, people question, well, what about public confession? And we need to, you know, we need to be very clear what we're meaning when we mean public confession, okay? All are fallible and all make mistakes and fall into sin, but if the wrongdoer is willing to see his errors as they are made plain by the convicting spirit of God and in humility of heart will confess them to God and to the brethren, then he may be restored. Then the then this, if this course were pursued, there would be in the church much more childlike simplicity and brotherly love, heart beating in unison with heart. Fall on the rock and be broken, and Christ will give you the true and heavenly dignity. Let not pride, self-esteem, or self-righteousness keep anyone from confessing his sins, that he may claim the promise, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Keep nothing back from God, and neglect not the confession of your faults to the brethren. Um, some of you maybe were not here when I gave the last seminar and I talked about the fact that we have walls around us. And at conversion, we have a wall over us between us and God and we have walls on our sides between us and our fellow man. 
And when we're converted, all those walls fall off, you know? The testimony of a new believer, the roof comes off and they're just making their life right with God and confessing their sins and praising Him and worshiping. And our walls fall down with our brothers and we're just, you know, we have failed and, and, and God is giving us a new life and a new heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So all these things come off, but you know what? As we progress in our Christian life and we become more mature, stable Christians, you know what often happens? The roof may stay off between us and God as we continue to grow with Him, but the walls of respectability form around us, and we are not willing you know, for our brethren to know maybe what we're struggling with or what God has given us victory in because of pride and because of self. You know how true that is. You know, we, can, we can share of God's faithfulness in helping us with a Bible study or helping us with a certain number of books that we were able to, to do as a call porter or, or different things, but we don't want people to know that we're struggling um, with selfishness or with appetite or different things, even though it's very obvious to people that we are because they're around us. They're our brothers and sisters. They see us every day, and we are a testimony to the God that is alive in our life. We're a testimony um, either to his greatness and his power to deliver us, or we're a testimony to the fact that we don't believe in his power or greatness to deliver us. So I just share with people, and we share with people, um, let's not try to appear righteous before our brethren. Let's seek to be righteous before God in his strength and in his power. And as we are, um, he's going to give us the victory. But the, the whole point is being, being humble and broken people and keeping that in our lives. So that's why our second area of, um, in this united prayer is actually is confession. Maybe one of you could close that door so we don't have quite as much noise going on here. So the third area that we go into is obviously supplication. And this is where we just really encourage people to take God at his word. You know, Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, seek, knock, and the door shall be opened. Uh, James 4, 2 says, We do not have because we do not ask. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And so when we go into this time of um, supplication, we're really asking God and we're seeking. We want more. You've blessed us. Yes, you've brought us this far. But we need even more of your spirit. We need even more of your power. Um, you know, like I was, I was, the quote that I had shared earlier, well, just the whole concept, you know, we, we bring God all the things that are upon our hearts, but the greatest thing that we should be praying for is the Holy Spirit. And this, I have this quote on page 8 um, from the Fifth Testimonies for the Church, page 158. It says, pray for the Holy Spirit. We should pray as earnestly for the descent of the Holy Spirit as the disciples prayed on the day of Pentecost. Okay? If they needed it at that time, uh-oh, I think they're locked out now. If they needed it at that time, we need it more today. Moral darkness like a funeral pall covers the earth. All manner of false doctrines, heresies, and satanic deceptions are misleading the minds of men. Without the Spirit and the power of God, it will be vain that we labor. Okay, so what we're really seeking as we go through this time of united prayer with people is praying for the Holy Spirit. That's what we need more than anything, okay? Then we go into a time of thanksgiving. We end with thanksgiving, praising him for what he's done and looking forward in faith for what he will do. You know, how often do we just praise him for what he's done already? But we need to praise him in faith for what he's going to do in the future. And I, I often like to claim the promise from Ephesians 3.20 that says, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. He is able. You know, and during the last session we talked more about praying in faith, persevering in faith. So these are the four themes that we will share with people. This is what we're going to pray through at this time. 
uh, these are some other tips that we'll share with people. We can pray multiple times, but we seek to keep each prayer short. Um, there's actually, let me see if I can find this quote um, that talks about keeping each prayer. Oh yeah, here it is on page 20. Learn to pray short and right to the point, asking for just what you need. Do not offer make-believe prayers, but earnest feeling petitions, expressing the hunger of the soul for the bread of life. If we prayed more in secret, we should be able to pray more intelligently in public. You know, I was referring to that earlier. If the soul is not drawn out in prayer in the closet and well engaged in the business of the life, it will be manifested in the prayer meeting. Make short prayers in meetings and lengthy prayers when you talk and commune with God in your closet. That's from 10th Manuscript Releases, page 130. So as we go into this time of United Prayer, we say, you know, keep your prayers short and brief. We say one or two sentences. Keep it brief. And for those of you that were part of our United Prayer this morning, you saw, we just go around the room as the Holy Spirit leads us, and we keep it brief. We encourage people to speak up. Now, we aren't praying just for the benefit of each other. We are praying to the God of the universe. But God is a God of order, not chaos. That's why we progress through these four themes in prayer, to, to be in order. You know, we could just come into the prayer room and we could say, whatever you guys want to pray, you just pray, whatever. You know, just pray. We can talk on top of each other. You can pray whatever theme you want, whatever. But God is a God of order. And this is why we believe that it's so important that we have an order to what we do um, as we're as we're coming together in prayer. And so that's why we progress through the four themes. That's why we have a prayer leader that will lead the transition between the prayers. And everyone prays as the Holy Spirit leads them, but, but at the same time we have someone um, that is keeping the order. And so we ask people to speak up so we don't pray on top of each other. We don't think it should be chaos with everybody necessarily praying at the same time. Not, you know, just um, why we say that. And then um, the fourth point here, please follow the prayer leader. In other words, um, let the prayer leader make the decision or the transitions beginning and end as well. And then stick with only one theme during the prayer time. So when we're in the time of praising God, that's not the time that we go into our supplications. We actually um, spend that time in we actually spend that time in praising God and truly worshiping Him. And then we go into our supplications after we've made our confessions and made those things right. We encourage people, this is point number six, feel free to claim a Bible verse as you pray or start singing a song. Um, as the Holy Spirit leads. And if you start singing a hymn or a song, you know, you know, try to try to do something that people would know by memory. So don't just start singing a solo. This is not the time for self to be manifested. This is not the time for you to put yourself on a pedestal. This is as the Holy Spirit leads. And you know what's so amazing is we have our times of united prayer. It's so beautiful because many people will be inspired by the same thing. And why are they inspired by the same thing? It's because the Holy Spirit is present and he is bringing all of us into unity. He's bringing all of us together in prayer. So we'll be here praying and I'll be thinking in my mind, oh, you know, praise God for this promise in his word. Now by our interests are given exceeding great and precious promises. I'll be thinking this in my mind. And my brother that's next to me will recite the verse. And I was like, oh, wow, I was just about to share that verse. Or I'll be thinking of a song, you know, like maybe a song that we'll sing in prayer um, during the time of confession is, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I'll be thinking this and my sister will start singing the song. Why are we on the same page? It's because the Holy Spirit is bringing us into unity. So we say, as the Holy Spirit directs you, Feel free to sing a song. Feel free to bring a promise because um, we want to be claiming these things and relying upon these as we go through this prayer. And that brings us to the seventh point, um, which I have there. Finally, ask God to show you what he would like you to pray. Um, and that comes from 
Christ Object Lessons, page 147, we must not only pray in Christ's name, but by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Now, typically, um, we can do this for just an hour. We can do this for a church service. We can do this for a prayer meeting. We can do this in a prayer room that's going 15 hours a day, okay? You can use this format and, and change it as the Holy Spirit leads you. This is just, like I said, a guideline, so this isn't something you, we have to do, and we kind of give little instructions there for how you could do that. But something that's very important, I really want to emphasize too, and I know that our time is running out, so we need to draw this to a close, is the heart preparation and the unity, especially as a prayer leader. You as a prayer leader have such a responsibility. You can't be coming, you know, you're having the evangelistic series at your event, and you're going to be covering that with a prayer room um, down below in the basement of the church. You don't want to rush into that prayer room unprepared. You're just like, oh, I'm here to do my job. I'm here to fulfill my duty. No. God has called you to a sacred task to pray for these meetings, to pray for the people that will be converted during these meetings. You need to prepare your heart before, and that's what we talk about on page 12 of this handbook. Um, finally, as leaders, we need to realize the need of heart preparation. I talk about that. Then as a leader, don't um, lead, but don't dominate the prayer time. You know, it's okay if there's times of silence during the time of united prayer. Don't feel like you have to fill the airspace by praying lots allow the Holy Spirit to lead people. And sometimes God is doing a quiet work in the heart. We don't know. Maybe we're confessing sin silently to God, which we encourage people to do. Make those silent confessions to God. So we don't know. So allow. It's okay for there to be, you know, periods of silence. So lead, but don't dominate. Encourage and model a reverent attitude. Again, we're approaching the throne of the king of the universe. And yet how irreverent are we time and time again? And you'll also notice, um, you know, we'll have our times of prayer and then instantly after it's over, we'll just erupt into everyday conversation or just, it's almost like we scare the spirit away. And I, I feel it in my heart and I'm often grieved about it because it's like, we just were here together, united in prayer, and we know that God's presence was here. And now we're laughing about, you know, some joke that just happened outside. Or, you know, and it's just the spirit of God is, is rushed away almost. So as people and as prayer leaders, let's, let's encourage a reverent attitude and encourage people to keep that spirit. And, you know, we've, this is a sacred place. It's not sacred because of anything here. It's sacred because God has been here. So let's not rush the spirit away. You know, if you're going to have your conversations, let's take them outside. But this room where we are praying is a sacred place. So just keep that. And then um, lastly, we encourage people to come together close. So we encourage a sense of unity. So if we're all spread around the room and we're going to pray, we would all encourage us to get here in a circle together so that we're close together. And that encourages unity as well. As you look at page uh, 13 through 16, we actually have verses and, um, and um, support for each of those different themes in prayer, adoration and praise, confession, supplication, and thanksgiving. And then we also have um, a couple pages that talk about faith versus to claim in prayer. And it's good for us to keep these ever before our mind. Um, as I have there, Ephesians 6 through 12, we realize that we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but this is a spiritual battle that we're against. And everywhere we go, we are up against the enemy's attacks to keep us from listening to the word, to distract um, someone that we care about. There's always something. And I have really come to be so much more in tune with this. When something goes wrong or something gets in the way of something happening, I'm like, you know what? The enemy's trying to stop the work that would happen here. He's trying to distract. And you know something really just interesting just happened at ASI meetings. We were leading a prayer room there just last weekend in Sacramento. And we had just been, I was up on stage with two men that were sharing a testimony. Were any of you there? Were you there? Do you remember what happened? Okay. So we were just up on stage. We had a few times we were on stage, so sharing this testimony. 
And powerful testimony these young men had. And then I asked one final question. I said, could you share with the audience, those that maybe have not come into the prayer room or experienced United Prayer, why they should come visit us in the prayer room, why they should pray together? I gave him the microphone, and guess what happened? The fire alarms went off in the building. The fire alarms went off in that building. There were probably 3,000 people in that building. Oh, man. Yes. yes. Yeah. There were a huge congregation, and we're here on stage, and I had just asked him to share with the people why they need to come to the prayer room. Do you think that that was an accident? I mean, it was so into, I mean, it was so perfect how it happened. It was just like, I don't believe this. I don't believe that these fire alarms just went off, you know. Instant, uh, for a second, I was a little bit like, I thought the mic system had gone ballistic. I was like, what is happening with the mics? But they realized quicker than I did that the fire alarms had gone off. And the young man grabbed the mic from me. And he, he said something to the effect that, you know, you guys need to come to the prayer room. It's one of the most powerful rooms here at this place. And, and you need to experience it. And we're not going to let the devil and his fire alarms distract us from that. He said something to that effect. And everyone stayed in their seats until he finished talking. And then they began to evacuate the building. It was so amazing. And we had people that actually came to the prayer room as a result of that. They said, you know what, when those fire alarms went off, we said, you know what, we need to go to the prayer room. So I think that God was more honored and blessed, you know, like the verse in Genesis 50, 20 that says, as for you, you thought evil against me, Joseph and his brothers, but God meant it for good, okay? So God turned that fire alarm to bless and to send more people to the prayer room, and we, we had a lot of people come, which was really amazing. So um, as you look on through the prayer, um, the prayer mini handbook for United Prayer here that we have, um, we have more biblical support, why United Prayers, um, and let's see here. I'll just read a couple quotes really quickly. In every church there should be stated seasons for united prayer for the advancement of this work. Let all be united, having a specific object for their faith and entreaties. Brethren, move high heaven with your prayers for God to work with the efforts of his servants. And then um, down at the bottom, bre bottom, brethren should stand shoulder to shoulder, uniting their prayers at the throne of grace that they may move the arm of omnipotence. And then um, at the top of the next page, while their united prayers were ascending in faith to heaven, the answer came. The place where they were assembled was shaken and they were in, endowed anew with the Holy Spirit. Um, just amazing what prayer will do. Um, page 21, we talk about why to persevere in prayer. Page 20, I skipped over why short prayers and I had already talked about some of those things. Uh, at the next page, we have why focus on praise, confession, supplication, and thanksgiving. If you look in the Bible, you see examples in the Bible of how God's people prayed through these different themes. Nehemiah, Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah 9, Daniel's prayer from Daniel 9. Um, even the Lord's prayer includes, includes these different aspects. And as the disciples in Pentecost, as it shared in Acts of the Apostles, page 36 through 37, it also talks about that. Uh, and then we get into the whole public confession, and I've already talked about that for the next few, few pages, talking about why public confession is so important. And I'll end on this. On page 27, we say true or false revival. You know, as time goes on, there's going to be even more counterfeit revivals as there is a true. And what is a counterfeit? You know, it looks just like the genuine, okay? So how can we know what is counterfeit and true? We cannot unless we really um, are in our knees and in the word in prayer. 
I'm actually missing a page in this in this booklet. Let me see here if I have it in this one. Page 27. Okay, there we go. That's interesting. For some reason, there's a page, whole page missing out of that booklet. So page 28, if you don't have this, let me know. It says, before the final visitation of God's judgment upon the earth, there will be among the pe people of the Lord such a revival of primitive godliness has not been witnessed since ap apostolic times. The spirit and power of God will be poured out upon his children. At that time, many will separate themselves from those churches in which the love of this world has supplanted the love for God and his word. Many, both of ministers and lay people, will gladly accept those great truths which God has called to be proclaimed at this time to prepare people for the Lord's second coming. The enemy of souls desires to hinder this work, and before the time for such a movement shall come, he, Satan, will endeavor to prevent it by, by introducing a counterfeit. In those churches which he can bring under his deceptive power, he will make it appear that God's special blessing is being poured out. There will be manifest what is thought to be great or religious interest. Multitudes will exult that God is working marvelously for them when the work is that of another spirit. Under a religious guise, Satan will seek to extend his influence over the Christian world. Yet none need be deceived. In the light of God's word, it is not difficult to, to determine the nature of these movements. Wherever men neglect the testimony of the Bible, turning away from those plain soul-testing truths which require self-denial and renunci renunciation of the world, there may be sure that God's blessing is not bestowed, and by the rule which Christ himself has given, you shall know them by their fruits. This is such a powerful test. Um, from Mount of Blessings, page 146, obedience is the test of discipleship. It is keeping of the commandments that proves the sincerity of our profession of love. When the doctrine we accept kills sin in the heart, purifies the soul from defilement, and bears fruit unto holiness, we may know that it is the truth of God. You know, Mark Finley writes in his book, Lord, Revive Us Again, Satan's concern in the last days is not the unsaved world. He already has them in his grip. His concern is Christians. By bringing deceptions into the church, he will mislead millions. So we are in such danger um, especially as we get closer and closer to the end of the time. And that's why everything must be by the word of God. Like I was sharing earlier, Isaiah 20, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. We need to be continually evaluating what is the fruit? What is the result of these people coming together in united prayer? What are they doing? I mean, is this all fanaticism? Is this emotionalism and excitement? God's true work is not based on emotionalism, fanaticism, or excitement, okay? God wants to give us a deeper and richer experience in the things of his word, and we're told this throughout scripture and the spirit of prophecy, but our experience is not the basis of this movement. Our experience is not the basis of revival. It is word, revival in the word, revival in time on our knees in prayer, and then the experience will follow. It will be the fruit. The lives will change. You know, we, we talk about at Army Bible Camp all the time, it's heart reform. As the hearts reform, the other reforms will follow. But we're not talking about this reform or that reform. Or, you know, we're not encouraging people to come into the prayer room and to cry or to be all emotional. But you know what? As God breaks our hearts, what happens? There's often tears. There's often emotions because God is breaking us. He's removing the crust, the crusty layers, and the sin that has come up around our hearts. And um, he's going to do that. He's going he's to continue to take each of us deeper. Um, but we just need to be on guard. We need to be watchful. And, you know, even within um, those that are meaning to do good and even with those that are in the church, they're gonna, there are people that are going to say, you know what, this is, this is not of God or this is fanaticism or, or, you know, you need to be careful about this coming together in united prayer. You know, even now 
we have people that question and wonder, and you know what we have to say is, we are following what we believe God is saying in his word, and we will be humble. If somebody brings to us an objection to what we're doing with United Prayer, we'll, we'll reanalyze, okay, what is their objection? What is their basis? Is it grounded? If it's grounded, we need to change, you know? But if it's not, if they do not understand the spirit that we're coming in prayer and what we're doing, then we continue to press forward in prayer. But we need to always be evaluating, always be going back to the word. And so we just need to be taking um, that humble approach. And as we do, um, we're going to face more and more trials. We're going to face more and more persecution, both from inside the church and without. But we continue to press forward and we continue to be grounded upon the word of God. So hopefully um, that's a very brief overview of how to lead United Prayer. These booklets um, are, are designed to give you the basic how-tos, and you can talk to us more after. We'll probably be talking more during this iShare conference about that. But hopefully this puts in your hands just a little practical um, method of how to, how to uh, lead United Prayer and make United Prayer more, uh, a more vital part of your life. And the testimonies that I've shared, there are so many more that I could share, so many more, um, but we just don't have time. So let's bow our heads for prayer, and then we'll go to the next meeting. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Um, that you are the God that you are, that has created the universe and the stars and beyond, and yet you tell us, come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You invite us into your presence. You cleanse us and forgive us of our sins, and you tell us to ask. You tell us to ask great things of you, and you tell us to, um, to claim the promises of your kingdom on, on behalf of those that we want to see saved and brought into your kingdom. And, on behalf of victory of sin, Father, you promise that you will answer. And so I just ask that you would help us to persevere and to unite together as a people and be a people truly of your word, not caught up in emotionalism or sensationalism or fanaticism or anything like that, because we know that there's great danger of that whenever that there is a work of God doing, um, something being taken or distorted or twisted or extremes being brought into the church, Father. We must be true to you and we must be true to your word. And so we just ask that you would help us that you would put a hedge around us, that you would protect us, and that you would help us to know as your people how to unite, how to be united in prayer so that the work can be finished so that your Holy Spirit would be poured out. Thank you for what you have done, and thank you for what you're going to do. We just praise you right now in your precious name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.